heard tomorrow night? Oh, yeah. Sure, I'd love to. You okay, Bubba? Sure, said Michael. He knew John, that's all. People said the meanest things about Prue Giroux. Her willowy good looks, they said, had gotten her everything she had ever wanted but respect. When people spoke of her divorce from Reg Giroux, it was always Reg who had been the nice one. He'd also, by the strangest coincidence, been the one with the $40 million. Prue had some of that now, thank God. The real secret of her power, however, lay in her column in Western Gentry magazine. It didn't matter, Prue had discovered, if your blood wasn't blue and your wealth was all alimony. If you wrote a social column, the bastards would always let you in. Prue's three-year-old Russian wolfhound, Vuitton, had been missing for nearly a week. Prue was frantic. To make matters worse, the man at Park and Rec had been annoyingly vague about the crisis. She took a ten-minute walk in Huntington Park to calm her nerves. When she returned, her secretary reported that Franny Halcyon had called to invite Prue to lunch tomorrow to discuss a matter of utmost urgency. Franny Halcyon was the reigning grand dame of Hillsborough. She had never even communicated with the likes of Prue Giroux, much less summoned her to the family estate for lunch. A matter of utmost urgency. What on earth could that be? Sometimes Franny couldn't help wondering whether there was a curse on Halcyon Hill. At 64, she was the sole surviving Halcyon, the last frayed remnant of a dynasty that had all but capitulated to death, disease, and destruction. Edgar, her husband, succumbed to bum kidneys, his term, on Christmas Eve, 1976. Beecham, her son-in-law, perished the following year in a fiery crash in the Broadway Tunnel. Faust, her beloved Great Dane, passed away shortly thereafter. Dee Dee, her daughter and Beecham's estranged wife, gave birth to half-Chinese twins in late 1977 and fled to Guyana with a woman friend of questionable origin. The Jonestown Massacre. Even now, three years after the event, those words could pounce on Franny from a page of newsprint, prickly and poisonous as the fangs of a viper. Edgar, Beecham, Faust, and Dee Dee. Horror upon horror. Indignity upon indignity. And now, the ultimate humiliation. She had finally been forced to invite Prue Giroux to lunch. Emma appeared on the sun porch with a tray of Mai Tais. A little refreshment? asked Franny. The columnist flashed her syrupy little girl smile. It's a teensy bit early for me, thanks. Franny wanted to kick her. Instead, she accepted a drink from Emma with a gracious nod and smiled right back at this hopelessly common woman. By the way, she said, I find your column uh, most interesting. Prue beamed. I'm so glad, Franny. I do my best to keep it light. Yes, it's very light. Inside, Franny was raging. How dare this creature address her by her first name? As far as I'm concerned, Prue continued, there is far too much ugliness in this world. And if each of us lit just one little candle, well, you know. Franny saw the opening she needed. I suppose you know about my daughter. Yes, 
The columnist's face became a mask of tragedy. It must have been awful for you. It was. It is. Franny leaned forward and looked at Prue imploringly. I called you here because I need you to help me publicize a new development. Please, said the columnist. Go ahead. I spoke to a psychic this week, a very reliable one. She says that Dee Dee and her friend and the twins are alive and living in a small village in South America. I'm not an hysterical woman, Prue. I don't normally subscribe to that sort of thing. It's just that this woman was so sure. Please help me. I don't know who else I can turn to. Prue reached over and squeezed her hand. You know I would, Franny, if there was any way to... Well, surely the newspapers or the... T